0: Home of the best-selling Lexus IS. Find yours today at LexusOfLexington.com. You're listening to Chicken in on finance.
1: China, the market falling hard, Facebook spying on everything that you do, and Alexa is just laughing at you. Welcome, everybody, to Chuck and Ann on Finance, brought to you by IIE Financial. IIE Financial, willing the good of another. Visit us online, IIEfinancial.com. I am your host, Chuck Fulkerson. Glad you're able to join us today. I am joined by the illustrious Annie Fulkerson on beautiful Holy Week. Holy Week. It is. It is, oh, you know. There's a lot of Palm stuff. Palm Sunday today. It is. It's. It's. it's a, we're recording this thing on Palm Sunday before mm-hmm. we, uh, you know, it's kind of welcome in the week. We actually record in the evening <clears throat> on. Um, on Sunday evening, uh, for our Monday show before the before the market kicks off, but we actually get to look at the futures markets, and uh, and and it's fun to record on Sunday evenings because nobody else is is doing anything. They're you know, like like I get, I feel like I get a step ahead, like I jump in front, of, I jump to the front of the line.
2: Sometimes it's like jumping in front of a moving train.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that's <laughs> been that's been said before. So, um, but no, we had a uh, we actually had a pretty, a pretty cool weekend. We took a ride out to the megalopolis. Yes, I said that word correctly. The megalopolis that is Ponchatoula, Louisiana.
2: That sounded like a dinosaur, megalopolis.
1: Pon- megalopolis. Yeah, the maybe it's a Megalopolis. Megopolis. <laughs> Whatever. Ponchatoula, Louisiana. What's and mean? we went to a uh, we went to a Chesterton conference. We got to hear some really intelligent speakers and that was cool. But I got to tell you what was cooler than that.
2: The uh the fact that Ponchatoula, Louisiana, boasts the only life-size statue of Gilbert Keith Chesterton in the world.
1: No, that's not no? the cooler. That thing. wasn't it. No, no, that's not it. No. Nor is it the fact that it's considered the strawberry capital of the southeast.
2: Uh, is it the fact that it right in town center, three feet from a tr- from the train track, which is active, by the way, is. The fourth generation of the town alligator. Ding ding
1: ding ding ding. That is so <laughs> cool. They have a town alligator. So Old Hardhide. Old Hard Hide. Now old Hard Hide's missing some toes. Yeah, like some I'm, toes
2: and like the scales on his back—they're sort of bent. I'm and,
1: feeling like yeah, old hard working. hide. Our old hard hide was in some was in some 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 fights. I think so. And and you know the sad part is he's probably like you should see what the other guy looks like because <laughs> well, there is only one alligator in the cage. That's that's a good point. He lost uh, he lost some toes. So speaking of fights, last week wasn't even a fight in the markets. It wasn't even a fight. It was a straight down knockout punch. It's all it was. It was a knockout punch. We saw five percent sink away in the markets in two days.
2: And we, you did, you did talk about that last week. You said we were coming into that, like we were building that potential energy, um, and we were going on that like sideways triangle toward a point and you, you said, look out for a strong move in either direction and have a plan. And sure enough, we had a really strong move and it happened to be to the downside.
1: It did. It did. And and I think what happens when it, when it does move to the downside like this, a lot of people, the tendency, the instantaneous tendency is to overreact. I mean that's really what it is. I've, I, you know, I've got a couple of investors, couple of our investors that are that are a little worried about portfolios, which I understand why they would be. But in all in all, if you look at the market from a from a big picture standpoint, not from the standpoint of a day trader or as a swing trader, but if you look at it as a, you know, if you look at it as a long term investor, you know, we are way over uh, overextended on like the monthly time period. So if you look at uh, as, as an investor and you're looking at, at monthly periods of time, we've had two down months in a row. If you consider uh, February and March, both of those months were down. Well, we had January was up and it was up humongous. December was up. November was up. October was up. September was up. August, July, June, April. You've got to go all the way back to may of last year to see a down month. And do you know how much we were down last year in the month of May? We were down a grand total a whopping 8 points over the whole month. Over the whole month we were down a whopping 8 points in the S&P 500. To put that into perspective, so far this month, um we're down roughly 120 points. So My point is, is that the market, and by the way, it went down in May, but it was up in April, March, uh, the prior February, the prior January. So we had, we were up for 14 out of 15 months and now we've had two months in a row of a down market. And here's really what I believe. And I think this is something to consider and maybe something we can talk about on the show. Um, uh, we don't try to get overly political on the show, but there's definitely politics involved in what's moving the markets. No question. And I think that there was a systematic approach by the federal government and and President Trump really made it a a big part of his first year in office that he was very happy with way the stock market was moving. Right. Yeah. So President Trump talked a lot in in his first year in office about the stock market at all-time highs, and everything that he did helped to pump up the stock market. Right. Well, what he's done now with the steel tariffs, and now immediately following the steel tariffs with the Chinese tariffs, and put in the middle there that he puts in a Fed chairman who's more hawkish, than dovish and more hawkish, meaning that he wants to raise rates a bit faster. So I want you to I want you to think about this from from President Trump's perspective. If if I'm if I'm a, if I'm trying to be a you know, if I'm trying to make sure that when the market when I do what I promised to do when I came into office, because when he came into office, he said he's going to make it fair hmm. Right. And he said this is not this shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. President Trump talked about this before no, he, he ran on. It was part of his campaign. It was part of his campaign that he was going to run on 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 making. Uh, well, making America great again. And, and part of that was going to be that he was going to tax the heck out of companies, the, uh, out of countries that were not playing by the rules and specifically in industries that he felt were unfair steel being one of the big ones which is where we got the steel tariffs that came in. The other one is he really believes that China takes advantage of the US in its in its trade uh, practices. And so the 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 tariffs on Chinese goods is designed to make things more fair. Now, here's what you do in all reality, I believe, and I could be completely wrong, uh, but this is my opinion and since I'm the one with the microphone, I can say my opinion. Um <laughs> he He did a really good job of doing everything in his power to pump up the economy so that when we did get this gigantic pullback, this gigantic pullback is coming off of the heels of one of the greatest years in the history of the market.
2: Yeah, I think it's sort of analogous to blowing up a balloon and then letting a little bit of the air out before you tie the knot. You still have an inflated balloon,
1: right? That's it. That's oh, that's a really good one. You um, like that? Can I steal that? So totally. I'm so. I'm still, I love analogies. I'm so stealing that. But I think that's really the case. I think that that a lot of the, I think a lot of what we saw happen was designed to pump up the economy, and it worked. It it didn't just work a little bit. It worked brilliantly. The market rallied. We had one of our greatest years in the history of the U.S. markets. Um, and now February and March have been challenging no question but is it but as an investor if you're just looking at february and march and you're forgetting about where you were last year in february and march then you're missing the point and you're missing the point entirely um because last year where we were in february and march was right around 23 Twenty three twenty in the S and P five hundred. Now we're at twenty six thirteen. So we're up about four hundred points, which is roughly almost fifteen percent. You're still up. You're still, you know, you're still smiling. If you look at it year over year, however, the last two months have put a little bit of the fear of God in you, no question. Especially with with falling on increased volume. Now I think that here's where it can go wrong. Here's where it can bite you in the behind is if investors panic and they sell and they sell and they sell. And the institutional investors don't jump in to support the market. Now, the big the big stock that we had, um, which we will uh, we'll talk about a bit later, was what happened in Facebook. And and there's a lot to be said for what happened in Facebook. But Facebook is a it's a very large, um, very large component of the market in general. And did that big pullback that we have just give people an opportunity, if you will, uh, to get uh, to get some of these stocks at a lower price in the context of a bigger picture upward move. And I think that could be the situation that we're in.
2: Well, when you were just um, while you were talking, you were pulling up the different time frames on on Facebook and stuff. And it looked like there were some really nice fair price areas where people could Go ahead and get in.
1: Yeah, I, I actually had posted on my personal Twitter page uh, a, a picture of, of a potential area in uh, in Facebook, a fair price value area um, where Facebook has really kind of fallen down into. And I'm not saying that this is a definite buy point for Facebook, but it could be uh, a, an area that, that an investor who's, who's a little speculative, maybe you wait for it to go up a little bit, but it could be a, a place for an investor who's a little speculative, you know, the stock was at 195 earlier in the earlier in the month, and now it's at 160. So if you think that it's a $300 stock, then maybe this is a chance to, to get a little bit more of it on sale. But I think that that the overarching theme and what's most important, what I wanted to talk about in this segment today was the, the overall markets have certainly, certainly taken a hit. And we'll talk a little bit more about, you know, why that is and where that is. But you as an investor have to have your plan in place so that you don't overreact, you know. There's a really good quote. It's a, it's a, it's a patent quote, and he says, "A good plan violently executed today is better than a perfect plan executed next week." And I love that. I love that saying. A good plan violently executed today is better than a perfect plan executed next week. And what that means is, if you don't have a plan now, don't wait until tomorrow to make one. Uh, call somebody. Ask for help. Uh, speak to your speak to your advisor, let somebody help you to devise a plan and something that you don't overreact when the market does these shaky things. So feel free to reach out iiefinancial.com. fill out a contact us form, and we will do our best to get back to you and make sure that we can help you get the right plan. So we're most certainly going to talk about Facebook and what happened with the privacy features in Facebook and where uh, you know where that caused the stock to go and what it did to the market. But you know, we always like to have a segment where we talk about our news of the week and what's happening in the news. And we go and we find stories and we we yank those stories out and we talk about them. <laughs> Doesn't that sound cool? We yank them out. <laughs> you sound so tough. I do sound tough. Well, <laughs> well, when we think about the, 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 the two things that Dracula has that sticks out of his face, what are those called?
2: Fangs. Those are called
1: fangs. Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Google. I guess it's Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, Google, fang. So one of those fang stocks is kind of freaking people out. Mm-hmm. Freaking people out. And which one do you think it is? It's Amazon. It's Amazon. So when I think of Amazon, when I say Amazon, like, what do you think of? Prime. Prime. Like, if you were a Transformer, you'd be... I would be Amazon Prime. You'd be Amazon Prime. There's no question. <laughs> you have, like, a secret force skill for Amazon. <laughs> no, no doubt in my mind, you'd be Amazon Prime. But when I think of Amazon, I think of Alexa. And the reason I think of Alexa is, frankly, because it's funny to hear my three-year-old say, Alexa! Play the Superman theme by John Williams. Yeah, he's hilarious watching him try to talk to. Of course Ale- he does
2: think that like every song you have to say by John Williams because right, we he play does. so much John
1: Williams music in our house. Well, first of all, that's because he's awesome. Yeah. Okay, thank you very much. Yeah, and- but
2: then he'll be like, "Alexa, play the Mario Brothers theme song by John Williams." Yeah,
1: like, yeah, Alexa can't find that. Well, there's a reason. Do you ever notice by the way that Google Assistant and Amazon Alexa that they never Show children on those commercials? Mm. There's a reason. There's a reason. Didn't stuff start showing up at the house because the kids just started ordering stuff?
2: Not at our house, but at a lot of different people's houses because you can order things through Alexa. And so if you just say, you know, Alexa, order me a coffee maker. Like <laughs> and you have your pre and you have your settings in Amazon sent or set where you have Alexa enabled to order things automatically for you. Yes, people started having that, yeah. having stuff shipped to their house. I immediately shut that off yeah, because that's a I good knew idea. that that would happen. Oh
1: no <laughs> question. Uh, well, I wish you could be like, like even
2: just by mistake. I, I wish I could I be like Alexa, bake
1: me a pie. <laughs> like that would be cool. So, but anyway, so people that have Amazon Alexa, and this was a, a story from NPR. So I was I was looking at NPR. And there was a story on NPR. It's titled, Alexa, please stop laughing. Amazon says it's fixing devices, unprompted cackles. So people have their Amazon Echo at home, and they were listening to it, and it just decided to laugh randomly. A random cackling. So, so... One said, it's really creepy, and it's a good reason why it's time to move, and it's the scariest beep I've ever heard.
2: <laughs> well, we did play it. It, it, it is kind of creepy.
1: It is. It is pretty creepy. Um, somebody, uh, Gal, Gavin Hightower, uh, uh, <laughs> Gavin Hightower tweeted about it. He says, lying in bed about to fall asleep when Alexa on my Amazon Echo Dot lets out a very loud and creepy laugh. Dot, dot, dot. There's a good chance I get murdered tonight. So I don't know about you, but I don't think I want my Amazon Echo laughing at me. I think that would be super creepy.
2: Yeah. I, I, we've never had that actually happen.
1: I kind of want it to happen when I'm not home.
2: But we... You, oh, you yeah, that freak would be really,
1: out. That'd be really weird.
2: But the it, it in the living room, it's hooked up to the sound bar. And if the sound bar's not on, then you can't hear it. But in the bedroom, it's just... In the closet, so hooked up like in the closet, so that could definitely start laughing randomly.
1: Yeah, I think that. Yeah, I I will tell you if if that thing starts starts laughing, our and our, and our kids didn't cause it to laugh, and they hear it laugh, they will literally pee themselves. Probably out of fear. Ah!
2: I will definitely have a mess to clean up.
1: Oh yeah, no no doubt, no mm-hmm. question. So Amazon, you know, dealing with its own problems, although it's not having. Anywhere near the problems that Facebook is having. Facebook has been all over the news um, the last couple of days. And there's a lot of things uh, to talk about in Facebook. And one of the things uh, about Facebook, and this was an article on MarketWatch, and it says, the cult of Facebook. Just see what happens when you try to leave. So... It's, you know, there's, there's professionals that talk a lot about it and it is, I mean, it's, it's sticky. It's not easy to leave.
2: Yeah. And there's been so many psychological studies on Facebook and social media and what it does to you and the addiction. Um, parameters and and uh, and what happens to your dopamine levels um, when you know, when you are using social media and how long you can go before you need another hit, so to speak. Um, And uh, and this this particular article uh, talks some some about that, but it says uh, deleting your account is like breaking up with all of your friends. Um, When you step away, you're breaking up with everyone in your network. Breakups don't normally end on a good note. And it's rarely that both parties agree (laughs) pleasantly that things aren't working. It makes
1: makes me think that anybody who deletes their Facebook account, that um, Taylor Swift is going to write a song about them. (laughs) Yeah, probably. I mean, mean, that's... But but people, like, are literally tied to their Facebook account. But one very, very prominent person in the tech world um, uh, appears to have joined the hashtag delete Facebooks.
2: Yeah, so, Elon Musk.
1: Yeah, you know, Elon Musk deleted the Facebook pages for Tesla and SpaceX, and I think that, that uh, that's kind of scared some people. Elon Musk just says, "What's fa-? somebody says it's time to hashtag delete Facebook," and Elon Musk made a very simple tweet reply: "What's, What's Facebook? Facebook? Ooh, that's tough.
2: That's yeah, that hurts, and you know it." It's interesting because celebrities have had this kind of impact on on stocks, um, people in in the spotlight, whether you like these celebrities or not. Um, like, uh, what was it um, Snapchat? Right. We right. saw we saw a Snapchat. There was an, an article a couple weeks ago about how uh, what was it? One of the I don't even know her name. One of the Kardashian sisters tweeted about tweeted something about how Snapchat was like old news and delete Snapchat and blah, blah, blah. Well, Snapchat actually went down.
1: It did. It so. did. Snapchat has, has really taken quite a hit since mm-hmm. that, since that, since that time it's gone from about $20 a share down to 1636. Mm-hmm. Um, and so people with, with really no support in sight.
2: Yeah. So people with a, a huge following on social media, when they, when they do say these kinds of things there, it does have an impact or can have an impact on these stocks.
1: Yeah. And, and you know it's one of those things that people look at Elon Musk there's there's a lot of people that look at him in in a in a in a positive light as one of the smartest people of our generation there's a a lot now there's also people that think he's crazy but there's a there's enough people that respect what he has to say and and if Elon Musk is coming out saying listen Facebook's not good. It's, it's not, it's not right for, it's not right for our culture. It's not right for people. And he's not the only one saying that, you know, there's, there's a, I was actually just talking to you about it a little little bit earlier today. There's, there's a number of, of people, you know, Facebook's biggest fear, Facebook's big, I, I said this earlier, Facebook's biggest fear is God. Facebook's biggest fear is religion. Facebook's biggest fear is people actually communicating with each other as individuals and people. Um, and I think that is actually fairly scary for a company like a Facebook is is as we see, you know, if people do actually delete it and they start to, well, I don't know, talk to each other again. That could that could be a snowball effect that will affect all the social media stocks.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, it's it's so true. I mean, you know, we have obviously this show and then um, we have our 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 Catholic show. Um, uh exclusively Catholic show, uh, salt and light. And I have Facebook pages for both of those. And when I go ahead and, um, share posts or go ahead and try and boost posts, um, you know, and market the, you know, the different, um, um, shows to get them, you know, in front of more people, the financial show gets approved much faster and much more readily than, the religious show, yeah. the exclusively religious show. And, um, and, and, and that's, it's disconcerting. Yeah.
1: To be honest. Well, and I think that's because the, and big- a couple
2: of them have a couple of them on the, the religious side and they have not been in any way controversial or anything like that. They, they've been just completely denied.
1: Yeah. Well, because I mean, if you think from a business perspective and I'm not, I, I'm, I'm just speaking completely business from a business perspective, the biggest Competition to social media is community. Is 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 real human beings talking to one another, mm-hmm. uh, and and
2: because when you like somebody's post, that's one step above dead.
1: Yeah, I mean you're only one step above dead by getting a like. So I think that there's a. I think that this Facebook story. I think that we theoretically could just be scratching the surface of it, and I really, really, really hope that that's the truth. So it is. Switching gears a little bit. Spring is finally here. And as spring has finally gotten here, we are, uh, we're, we're kind of barreling towards Easter. We actually got to get the pool ready. It was awesome. The kiddos were like, I want to go swimming. So I turned on the heater, and the kids, uh, I turned the heater up to 80 degrees. And the, 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 the pool got to 76 And the kids were so excited. They were ready to jump in the pool and they ran out there and they stuck their toe in and they wouldn't get in the pool.
2: Yeah. They're spoiled Houston children. 76 degrees. Yeah. When we lived up in Pittsburgh, pools, not that we didn't have a pool in Pittsburgh because it's pointless, but. Because seventy six
1: degrees is a warm pool in Pittsburgh. Outside
2: pools in Pittsburgh, they they rarely reach seventy six degrees. But when you are a Houstonian and a pool is seventy-six degrees, My kids, it's like the oh, kids, the
1: kids had no interest impossible. in going in that pool. They were not jumping in that pool for mm-hmm. nothing. They couldn't turn to, the, to the point no, where the
2: little the three year old did. He was yeah. underwater for a little while and then his lips turned blue.
1: Yeah, for a few seconds. Mm. It, they turned like literally blue. Not blue. figuratively. Mm-hmm. Literally. We're blue. I don't understand. I, I uh, 76 degrees that's 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 plenty warm enough And they were so enough.
2: excited with the new toys that that I got them. I got them this really cute treasure chest that floats and then there's coins, little plastic coins inside that sink to the bottom. So they have to go to the bottom with their to, their to get their ba- to
1: get their buried treasure. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I think watching there's a, a child swim is one of the was one of the coolest things ever. Mostly because when I swim, I never really learned how to swim. So our pool is only six feet deep at its deep point because if, you'd probably drown our six year old. Oh, I'd be dead. There's no question. <laughs> I would be DED dead. Um, because I just, I can't swim. I'm a, I'm a hot mess. What's actually kind of funny is I do know one stroke. I know one swimming stroke. It's called save your life. Meaning if I fall off a boat, I can swim enough to get back to the boat so long as the boat's not fast. Um, and like if I fell off of the boat, if I fell off of the, the a boat like in a river, I might be able to swim to the side. Maybe. But I'd probably be dead. Maybe. It would not be good. This is, There's a reason why they require life jackets. I'm the reason they require life jackets. Mm-hmm. Well, a, f- a funny story for those of, uh, you know, we, we went, we, we, we scuba dive right? So I was learning how to scuba. Now, what's funny is I can't swim, but I scuba dive because I figure I can yeah, sink. but you have
2: a, the BCD you can inflate and it's like a life preserver. Yeah, BCD
1: so. stands for buoyancy control device for those of you that are That's uninitiated okay. with scuba. Um, but yeah, so I'm learning how to, to scuba dive. And, and while I'm getting certified for my scuba diving classes, one of the things you have to do is they want to show, they want to see that you can swim. They want to see that you can tread water. They want to see that you can tread water. Well, specifically i can't tread water I was and you have, to, you have
2: to go in a in a circle with your class tread water and pass a medicine ball to each other
1: yeah so one we, at a time so we had to pass this eight pound medicine ball. it wasn't a, it was a brick it was a rubber brick is what it was it wasn't mm-hmm. a medicine ball it was an eight pound rubber brick that we had to pass now sitting next to me was like this 12 year old kid and he's a jerk because he's just he's just floating away like it's nothing. He's just sitting there, mind you. I'm kicking. I'm I'm like you know like, you know how like a duck. They look calm on the water and in the bottom. <laughs> their little feet are moving. That was me. I was trying to pretend like I wasn't losing my mind. But we're supposed to do this for ten minutes. We're supposed to tread water for ten minutes. Well, every time that the that the uh, that the instructor. instructor looked away. I grabbed the bottom of the lap lane and was holding on for dear life. Mm-hmm. So he couldn't see me. But then we had to start passing around this stupid brick. I almost gave this little kid a concussion <laughs> like six times because I'd have to pull my hands out of the water and, and going with just my leg. This little kid was about to get boom, right in the face clocked. Oh, was not going to be good. Brick. Yeah. It, it, it would have been like, it would have been like just serious pain. There's two sports that I can't really do. Um, and swimming is one of them. The other one is skiing.
2: Big bird oh, on skis.
1: I'm a All hot mess on skis. Of you. I'm a hot mess on skis. But um, we'll talk about we'll talk about skiing another day. But skiing makes me think of an avalanche. Mm. And I'm gonna and I'm gonna transition here a little bit to an avalanche of the market. Because uh, there's a great article on marketwatch.com that says a Dow Theory sell signal could happen any day now. And it literally looks like an avalanche. I mean, they have a picture of an avalanche um, as, uh, as kind of what's putting it down. So th- now this is an opinion article. I would just like to state that this is an opinion article from a guy named Mark Holbert, who's a columnist for marketwatch.com. But he's pretty good. Um, but he says... Maybe you could
2: start by telling us what Dow Theory selling actually is though. Yeah, so Where we should, getting... we
1: should know what Dow theory is. So Dow theory is an analysis that explores the relationships between the Dow Jones Industrial Average and the Dow Jones Transportation Average. So those the, so it's those two it's those two averages together and when one of these averages climbs to an intermediate high, the other is supposed to follow suit within a reasonable period of time if not then those averages they show what's called divergence which means that they're that one's going up and the other's going down and then the whole market is liable to reverse course that is that is that's dow theory now why does this matter well behavior of the dow jones industrial average typically grabs the headlines but most people are um, are you know are aware of the tenants of Dow theory they're, they're, they're not aware of them so if you understand Dow theory what you can do is you can spot hidden trends uh, in the markets that some other investors you know they may not be noticing so you can bet you can make better decisions on your overall portfolio so the Dow Jones industrial average is are this is the one that we're used to hearing the most about the transportation average are the rail stocks and and the uh, the rail stocks, the the airline stocks, things along those lines. So, this is something to consider uh, as as really an important thing. So, what you have to look for is that they're not following one another. the the The, the Dow theory is still officially bullish because they're both still in, in an upward trending market. However, the industrials averages over the last six months have gone up faster than the transportation average. And if the transportation average does not pick up pace, it's gonna continue to fall. And and if it starts to fall, if it rolls over and turns negative, then what happens is it could turn into literally an avalanche of sell signals. Now, why could it turn into an avalanche of sell signals? Well, the biggest reason is it becomes back down to the algo trading, the algorithmic investors, the computers, that are running the markets and the computers that run the markets, when they hit sell and the market starts to go down, then selling begets more selling, which begets more selling, which begets more selling. And that's that's when you have humongous down days. It's when the computers get involved that the big down days really start to take effect. And, and so then you
2: have emotional selling piling on after that. Right. Typically. Right.
1: Yeah. So uh, I I think that I think what's good for for people to look at is, you know, kind of what what selling can look like and and what those numbers could be.
2: Yeah, we and I think we can look back at February 5th and the mini crash that that occurred. Um, The Dow dropped nearly a thousand points. It was um, down one point. About one point eight, a little shy of one point eight percent, in less than thirty minutes during that day's trading. So by the time that a lot of people realized it, it was like already happening. Yeah, it, it had was, already happened.
1: I, I remember looking at looking at my computer, going, "What? What? What the?
2: Yeah." And but by the you know the market later in the in the session, re- did it did recover some of that plunge? Um, but yep. but it still it still ended the day down over a thousand points. So and and I think that was. I think we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. That was the worst drop in history.
1: Yeah, the worst, the worst single day point drop in history. Now, the Dow. No, by the
2: same token, though, we've never been higher. So, right, like it was a drop of one percent, but it dropped over a thousand points. Right. So, you know, when you're at ten thousand, that looks very different than when you're at nearly you're
1: thirty thousand. Yeah. When you're at twenty six thousand, when you're at twenty six thousand, you get a thousand point drop. It's completely different than when you're at nine thousand and get a yeah. thousand point drop. So. Right you know it it was it was a move that i think scared some people away but you know just keep in keep in mind your overall you know portfolio picture and what it looks like as as the market kind of continues to chop along sideways as it has really for the past 2 months now technically i say i'm saying chop along sideways really it's been down but all of our movement for the past 6 weeks has been inside of that that selling avalanche that we just talked about, you know, it's just, it's just having some sort of an idea of what am I going to do if where's where's what's going to happen to the portfolio if this thing occurs. And and I think really where this starts to for people to, to take a look at is those of those people that have 401ks. If you have a 401k, your 401k is probably in mutual funds. And those mutual funds are typically tied to the market in general, right? There, there's, they're going to be large cap funds or small cap funds or balance funds, or my favorite, like the 2025 fund or the 2035 fund. Those are funds of funds, which means that your fund is investing in a bunch of other funds, which means you get to pay fees twice. Um, but anyway, and well, well, that's, that's another segment to talk about later. Uh, but all of those, all of those are, are going to be very heavily tied to what the equity or stock market is doing. And I think what happens is a lot of people with their 401k, they wind up putting their, their 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 blinders on to what happens in their 401k because in their 401k, that's the money that oh don't worry, it'll be back. And I'm using quote marks in the air with my fingers because over time it it definitely does come back, right? Well, why does it come back? It comes back because the market will you know will replace the bad stocks and put in more of the good ones and that's all fine and dandy if you're 32 years old if you're 38 years old heck even if you're 40 years old but what if you're 59 what if you're 62 if you're 62 years old and you've got a 401k can you really handle a 50% correction If you're 32, sure, maybe that 50% correction just gives you a better opportunity to buy more at a lower price. But if you're 59 years old, if you're 65 years old, how many working years does not having a good plan add to your overall portfolio goals? You know, when retirement planning, one of the things that's important to consider is how much income you'll need. It's actually kind of funny. I was having a conversation the other day. And the conversation I was having was about whether you're going to live on more in retirement or whether you're going to live on less. And the, the really the, where the question came from was, was people that are in their early 20s talking about the concept of them utilizing Roth IRAs versus traditional. And with a Roth IRA, you you pay the taxes now, but you don't pay taxes when you pull the money out. And so here's here's always my thought. Is that with a Roth IRA, when are you gonna be in a lower tax bracket than you are in your twenties? You're not you're ever not. gonna Yeah, you're not you're not gonna be in a lower tax bracket than you are in your twenties. So let's let's just let's just pretend for a minute. What are some of the things that you think people would say that they wanna do when they retire? Like what have you what are the some of the things that you've heard that people wanna do when they retire? Travel. Travel. Travel meaning.
2: Travel anywhere. That's true. Internationally, in a in a van. Around. Living in a van down
1: <laughs> by the river.
2: <laughs> yeah. Traveling in a van, you know, across the United States, traveling internationally, loads of travel. Right. That's
1: what I hear most. I hear that a lot, too. Right. A lot of people want to do that. I mean, my mm-hmm. my uh, my parents, my mom, my mom doesn't fly. She really wants to see Crater Lake in Oregon. Right. That's her thing. She wants to be able to to not have to work anymore and see Crater Lake in Oregon. And um, I have other friends that they just want to live on a cruise ship, essentially.
2: Yeah. And, and then I think the second, if not the, you know, the first interchangeably is just spend time with grandchildren, spend time with family.
1: Yeah. Well, and and not not everybody, though. Some people don't like their grandchildren. They think they smell funny. <laughs> <laughs> they do. I've heard that. No, I'm just kidding. Nobody, I've never heard that. But you, I, I think that overwhelmingly it's it is it's things like that. Right. Travel, um, maybe spend more time painting or fishing or hunting or whatever it happens to be. Well, all of that takes one thing, money, all that takes money and all that you have to have an in income to do. And so what we're going to do is talk about retirement income. And I know that's something that you don't want to hear. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but everything takes money and understanding how to do that. So most people, their first so, so source of income Uh, And and it's a shame that it's most people. But for most people, their first and sometimes only source of income
2: is Social Security.
1: Social Security. That's it. So with Social Security, you can start taking benefits as early as age 62. So if you take your Social Security at age 62, then it is obviously going to give you a smaller monthly check. Than if you wait until full retirement age. Now your full retirement age, according to the um, the Social Security Administration, the SSA, uh, and technically, I guess you can you can apply for benefits if you're 61 years and nine months old. But full retirement age, depending on your date of birth, is typically somewhere between ages of 66 and 67 years old. So if you were born, you know, after 1960. Then, then your full retirement age uh, is, is, uh, is going to be, uh, what's the number here, about 66, uh, 67 years old exactly. I, was up, I thought it was 66 and 11 months, but it's exactly 67 is your full retirement age. But if you take benefits at age 62, then your benefit's going to be reduced to 70%. If you if you take benefits at age sixty five, your benefits are going to be eighty six point seven percent. And there's a there's like a I don't know I'll call it a a table of fun that you can use to look. And you've got um, um, and you as your spouse has benefits as well, and your spouse's benefits are reduced to a certain percentage depending on the age that Social Security is taken. Now, this is important and is very important, and it could be as what was said in this article in market watch, literally retirement, early retirement can be a killer. Uh, and so here's an article on marketwatch.com by Mark Hulbert. And he says that there's an increase in the death rate.
2: Yeah, it, it's apparently it's quite large. Um, prefer, uh, especially by people who claim social security, um, particularly among men, uh, at age 62. And it says by 20%, according to this, this particular study, um, but among females, contrastedly, the data is inconclusive, which women typically live longer than men anyway.
1: Well, yeah, and that's because we eat worse.
2: <laughs> you think so? Yeah. Is that
1: why? No question. I think that's for sure.
2: Mm. um but unlike women male retirees in particular also appear to have fewer social interactions after they stop working which other studies have found to have a negative impact on health and we've talked about that a lot on the show before where you know in in retirement you have this pie in the sky dream of what you're going to do when you retire and you have all this free time but then retirement actually hits and you wake up and you have nowhere to go and what's what, what's your, you know, not just your financial plan, but like, what's your plan on what to do to, to, to fill your time, you know, to, to give back we're you know, we, we preach all the time here, you know, at IIE about being a good steward of your money, you know, our, our, the business is very wrapped in and based on very, um, Catholic Christian principles, um, of being a good steward of your money. Um, and we invest that way, but also, being a good steward of your time, right? And, and, and of your talents and your gifts. So I think that has a lot to do with it. I, well. I think so
1: too. I think that there's a tendency for people to look at retirement as the end. And when you look at retirement as the end, Then that has a tendency, I think, to have a negative impact on health. And this is a this is an article that shows it right. It's um, it it shows that there's a negative impact on health. And specifically, it's just retirement is going to have a negative impact on your health if you become more sedentary. And I think that the big temptation for a lot of people is retirement has happened and then they just stay home and sit on the couch. Because now here's part of the problem. It's because their income is lower. Their income is oftentimes significantly lower. And when you're taking retirement at age 62 and you're only getting 70% of the income that you would get by by waiting to take it at full retirement age. Now, if I've got less money to do stuff, what am I going to do? Stay home. Sit on the couch not hang out with people. And and I think it's really important for people not just to have a financial plan, but also to have a plan for what it is that they're gonna do, how they're gonna spend their time in retirement. So when you look at your income plans, your income plans have to include Uh, getting out of your home and that getting out of your home doesn't have to necessarily cost you anything. I mean, it could be volunteering at the, at the local shelter, right? You maybe go to Martha's kitchen and volunteer downtown. Um, But whatever it is that you, that you want to do, I think the most important thing is that you're not sedentary and then you're getting, getting out and doing stuff.
2: Yeah. And having a plan for your time, talent and treasure, right? We don't want to always only look at one of those uh legs of the 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 stool if you will um because the stool won't stand up straight and if you fall off the stool and you break a hip
1: well that's gonna be a problem well (laughs) well, you know didn't obamacare fix all that problem (laughs) yeah well i mean there's you know but i mean there's a lot of there's a lot of stories and studies out there about what happens in retirement if you're uh if you're not ready um it's funny that uh, well it's not funny but a study of 5800 employees in Finland who had retired due to age found that 12% of retiring workers increased their risky drinking at the time of retirement.
2: What does risky drinking how, what is what is that defined as?
1: Risky drinking in my mind is is drinking anytime. Because I don't really no, I'm just kidding. No, risky drinking is actually defined as the, the way they define it in this study is twenty-four units a week for men.
2: What's a unit? Or
1: passing out due to extreme alcohol consumption.
2: Holy moly.
1: Yeah. Well, twenty-four units, I'm guessing that would be like twenty-four pints.
2: Well, and that's where temperance comes in
1: temperance is key but yeah 24 units a week or passing out due to extreme alcohol consumption so or two of temperance people so so alcohol consumption is actually a problem um but it all kind of just goes in line because i think what happens is you've got to have kind of that plan um to see you know where where you may be because there's you know, there's there's a, a fairly, you know, a fairly recent article that says half of American families are living paycheck to paycheck. And that's while they're working. If half of American families are vulnerable to financial disaster because they don't have three months put away for savings, then they're going to be in this position where they're paycheck to paycheck. And then when they do start to retire, now, all of a sudden, this is the the life that they're into. Now, by the way, now they go from getting a paycheck once every two weeks to getting a smaller paycheck once a month. And the smaller paycheck that they're getting once a month has to last them for the entire month. And if you're not used to budgeting for that, it can get difficult and it can get hard. And this is, I think, where planning today is the most important part. And knowing kind of what your plan is for income in retirement.
2: When's the best time to plant a tree?
1: Uh, Last week.
2: No, 20 years
1: ago. Oh yeah, 20 years ago. That's and when's the idea. second best time? Today. Today. Okay. Yeah, that's it. I mean, it's, it's, it's having that... That plan ahead of time. You know, I was speaking with with someone who was a a potential client for us, and, she, and and I had a great conversation with her, but she wasn't in the position where she should be investing right now. She wasn't working, and she had a lump sum of money. and my My answer to her was. You need to take the money that you have and live off of it while you're out looking for a job. Because if you try to invest for income, but it's not going to meet your income needs, then what's going to happen is it's going to put undue stress on you. um, And you, you need to go out and figure out an income stream and then utilize the extra money to grow at a safe and conservative pace. Not everybody should be investing. Some people need to use that lump sum to live off of. And so, you've got to just know what your plan is. I like to say that everybody's a unique little snowflake. And if you know that, well, maybe not a bad snowflake, but if you know if you know that you're unique and you know that your plan is unique, it gives you the opportunity to set your plan up different than everybody else.
2: IIE Financial is an investment advisor representative with Symphony Financial, a registered investment advisor. Charles Fulkerson is an investment advisor representative with IIE Financial and Symphony Financial, LTD Co., Annie Fulkerson is not registered nor affiliated with Symphony Financial. Opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect those of Symphony Financial. The topics discussed and opinions given are not intended to address the specific needs of any listener. IIE Financial does not offer legal or tax advice. Listeners are encouraged to discuss their financial needs with the appropriate professional regarding your individual circumstance.
0: Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by...
2: We want to help others, especially in places of strife, such as the Holy where Christianity is dwindling by the day, but how to help? Here's an easy way: buying products through the Holy Land gift shop. Every product you purchase at myfranciscan.org/shop helps Christians support their families and stay in the Holy Land. Olive wood, embroidery, spices, and many more authentic products from the Holy Land are available right now at myfranciscan.org/shop. The Holy Land gift shop, bringing the Holy Land home.
1: I learned how many people we could help and how good you feel after you've helped others. I know Lent is about giving, so I want to give. These kids are talking
2: about CRS Rice Bowl, a Lenten program known by generations of Catholic families. Children love it because they experience different cultures and gain a lasting impression of the people they are helping. You can bring CRS Rice Bowl into your home and experience the joy of seeing your
0: children or grandchildren find new meaning in Lent. Visit crsricebowl.org to get started. Rice Bowl inspired me to pray more and to pray for those who are less fortunate. The Cincinnati Catholic Men's Conference is back. Tickets are on sale now for Saturday, April 28th at the Taft Theater at cincinnatimensconference.com or call 513-214-1534. The speaker conference roster is being hailed as one of the best lineups in the country. In rare appearances come see Father Mitch Paqua from EWTN, the man motivator Father Larry Richards, former Moeller High School and University of Notre Dame head football coach Jerry Faust, and the big celebrity keynote, Baz Rutten, UFC world champion, MMA world champ, and movie star. The conference theme is what it means to be a true Christian man in today's society. Don't miss the incredible day of motivation, spiritual benefit, and fellowship with men from all walks of life. Get tickets now at CincinnatiMensConference.com or call 513-214-1534. That's CincinnatiMensConference.com or 513-214-1534. Thank you for listening to Breadbox Media. Find more about us at BreadboxMedia.com.